Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Hey, good morning, church. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I know we got a lot of people watching online, too. We're excited that you're choosing to gather with us together, either in person or online, to begin 2022 in celebration of Jesus. Listen, Colby said it just a couple minutes ago. He said that that 2022 is going to be a big year, that God is going to do some amazing things in and through this church. That's what we're praying for. But listen, we don't want to move on to 2022 until we celebrate what God did in 2021. I don't have the exact numbers yet, but I want you to know that God showed up through your generosity in December. You see, we paused all of our operational budget at a certain level so that we could bring in money in December and we could we could do some upgrades in the, the lobby space so that we could better serve the people in this community. Um, we also decided that we were going to make a massive donation to bless the core foundation and the people of Haiti through them. Um, I'll have final numbers next week, but I want you to know that your generosity is making a difference as we speak. Next week, you'll start to see some changes in our lobby space because we had enough that we were able to pull the trigger on phase one of that. And this week, we're excited about finding how much money we get to send over to the Core Foundation and bless them. Thank you guys so much for showing up in a big way for us in 2021. That's what's causing us to celebrate right here and right now. Hey, listen, we're, we're going to talk this month about, about what we as a church are for. Specifically, we're going to talk about our reputation as a church. You see, reputations just simply mean this. It's, it's the commonly held beliefs or opinions about someone or something. Everybody has a reputation. And we're going to talk about our reputation as a church. Let me give you some examples of some organizations and, and some people that have prominent reputations. The first one is this. It's, it's just simply Milledgeville, okay? Milledgeville. How many of you relocated to Milledgeville from another part of the state? Anybody? Okay, a lot of you did. When you told your friends that you were moving to Milledgeville, what did they say to you? Yeah, State Hospital. That's right. Not one of them mentioned Lake Sinclair, did they? Not one of them talked about Flannery O'Connor. Very few of them mentioned Georgia College, but every single one of them said, wait a minute, isn't that where the mental institution used to be? That's our reputation. That's the one thing that we are known for above all the rest. What about this next one? This guy right here, Anthony Fauci, okay? Got real silent, didn't it, okay? Because everybody has a different opinion on this guy, right? For some people, they believe that he is a reliable soldier in the fight against COVID. And other people believe, you know, maybe he's a political hack with a medical degree. But either way, we know that this guy right here is the face of COVID in the United States of America. He is the one person you think of when you start thinking about this problem, this pandemic that we've been wrestling through. That is and always will be his reputation. Last but not least, let me show you one more. What about this one? This one's not quite so controversial, is it? Everybody knows what Krispy Kreme is known for. They're known for their what? For their hot sign, okay? Their hot sign is what they're known for. I was in a car one time with somebody and uh, they flipped the hot sign on while we were driving by. He literally crossed three lanes of traffic, entered into the exit, okay, and slid right in there backwards into the drive-thru because he was religious about his hot sign Krispy Kreme donuts. That's their reputation. It's what they're known for. 
You see, the truth is, reputations impact the decisions we make, our reputations impact the businesses that we visit, and it even impacts the friends that we associate with. And get this, the church is no exception. You see, we've worked hard as a church to develop a, a, a good reputation in this community. And I believe we've done a lot of good in that area. But I believe that there's still some areas where we need to be even more intentional about declaring to the world around us who we are and what we are for. Today we're talking about joy. Why? Because joy is the reputation of God's people throughout the history of the church. On the very first page of the Bible, God looks at everything he's created and he says, everything that I have made is good. So naturally, people are gonna find joy in the good things that God created. In Psalm 104, he says that food is a gift from God that produces joy. Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay, Krispy Kreme, nope, it's gone. All right, Jeremiah 33 says that people find joy at weddings. Proverbs 23 says people find joy in their children. Proverbs 27 says that, that joy is like a perfume to the nose and the fact that, that, that a good friend brings that same kind of feeling and experience into your life. But get this, the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible doesn't just say that there's good things in our life that produce joy. We can celebrate those things together. It says that, that we also, as God's people, can choose joy in the midst of pain and hardship and trouble. See, in the Old Testament, even while under the oppression of foreign empires, the Israelites, they chose joy and anticipation of what God was going to do next. Jesus, he teaches his followers that they are to rejoice even in the face of persecution. And Paul, while facing the threat of execution from a prison cell, he declares that he has chosen joy. You see, this doesn't mean that he suppresses or he ignores his sorrow. There's lots of things that he wrote that, that demonstrate that he felt all of those things and more. But he says in his writings, he says he is full of sorrow and yet still rejoicing. See, that's the heart of a believer. See, this is a, a major theme that runs throughout the writings of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even the early church. It's highlighted in seasons of celebration and happiness, but it's also a prominent part of the identity of God's people when we face challenges and hardships and difficulties. So let me ask this, is it a prominent part of our identity too? Is joy what we're known for in this community? Do we have a reputation of embracing joy in the midst of anything this world throws at us? Let me tell you, this is a timely discussion because we're on our way out of what is frequently called the most joyful time of the year. Can I tell you what, what the road out of the most joyful time of the year is paved with? Credit card bills. <laughs> That's a big part of it, right? a pile of work that we put off until after the holidays that's waiting on our desk when we get back, the challenge of a new semester at school, the realization that all the gifts that we got that promised to satisfy and fulfill us can't quite live up to the promise. You see, that's the road out of the most joyful time of year. Statistically speaking, this is the time of year where seasonal depression reaches its highest levels of the year. You see, some people think this is because the sun isn't out as much, and so it impacts our serotonin levels and our melatonin levels, but 
Other people speculate the reason for this is this, holiday cheer amplifies loneliness and hopelessness in people who have lost loved ones or who have high expectations of renewed happiness during the holiday season only to be disappointed. Listen, I'm only in the intro, but am I, am I striking a nerve with anybody yet? Here's the bottom line. If we can learn to experience joy now, in the midst of this, in the midst of another COVID surge, in the midst of the credit card bills coming due, in the midst of all the things that we're leaving behind at Christmas time, that we can become a people with a reputation that God uses to change the world. See, it just so happens if you look in your Bible at Luke chapter two, you find this story of, of this man who experiences real authentic joy coming out of the first Christmas. And we're gonna look at that story together. And as we look at it, we're gonna uncover some truths about joy that can impact our lives today and help us be the people that God has called us to be. Luke chapter two, we're gonna turn there in just a second. The story begins with Mary and Joseph. They're presenting baby Jesus at the temple. They're, they're offering sacrifices. This is essentially his baby dedication, right? This is, this is all outlined for them in the Old Testament and they're doing all the things that God has commanded them to do. But in the midst of doing all these things, they encounter this individual named Simeon and, and Simeon steps in and he has an experience with Jesus. This is what it says in Luke chapter two, verses 25 and following. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Let me ask you, how many as new parents would enjoy a stranger coming up and grabbing hold of your baby at church? Anybody? Okay, doesn't work well. That's a good way to get a diaper bag to the nose, okay? That's not something that we, we promote or suggest, but, but that's what happened. But, but despite all the boundary issues that take place in this story, there's something powerful that's happening too. You see, we don't know much about Simeon, but we know that he was righteous and he was devout. He pursued God and in pursuing God, God revealed some things to him. What did God reveal to him? Well, he revealed that, that Simeon was gonna live long enough to encounter the Messiah of the world. That's a big deal. But if you look closely, he actually reveals something else to him. You see, what Simeon says is, is that this individual was gonna be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. What that means is he's gonna be the savior of all people. He's gonna bring non-Jewish people into the family of God. Listen, the Old Testament talks about this, but, but unfortunately, the Jewish people in that time period, they constantly rejected it. As a matter of fact, there was no bigger fight in the New Testament than that very issue of, of bringing non-Jewish people into the family of God. But Simeon had revelation from God. He knew what Jesus was there to do. And because he had heard from God, he trusted in God's promises and that trust led him right into the path of Mary and Joseph, joyfully celebrating the presence of Jesus, the one who had come to change the world. Listen, Simeon had insight into God's plan and that insight 
produced joy. Here's the first thing that I want you to take away about joy from this story. It's this joy is a product of God's promise. Joy is a product of God's promise. See, we are filled with joy because of what God reveals to us. Over and over again in the Bible, it links this idea of joy with with Christian hope. Joy is the consequence of knowing God and knowing what he has promised to do. This is important. Joy is not a prescription. It is a reaction. We don't lean into more joy because we want it. We react to God's promises with it. I don't know if you've got kids at home, but you can probably uh, relate to seeing this at some point in time or another. My kids got up on Christmas morning and they were ready to go. Anybody else's kids get up ready to go on Christmas morning? Okay. We set a time. We said, you're not allowed to get out of your room until this time. You know what they did? They set their alarms an hour early so they could be ready to go when that time hit. They come running into my room and they're jumping on the bed and they're celebrating. It's Christmas morning. It's Christmas morning. We got to go. And you know what I did? I got up and took a shower. (laughs) That's my tradition. I make them wait just a little bit so the anticipation grows. I didn't even want to take a shower this year. I actually just stood in the bathroom with the shower on because I was trying to, to make them miserable for just a few minutes before they had the joy of Christmas. But I come out of the bathroom and they're still jumping on the bed and they're excited. Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And then they lined up ready to go out of our room and ready to run down the hallway and And listen, here's what I want you to understand. They never had to be told to be excited. They just were, right? See, they didn't have all the facts. They didn't know what was waiting for them in the living room, but they knew enough to know that they were gonna respond with excitement. Let me ask you something. Do you have joy in your life? Because God's people don't buckle down and try harder in the same way that my kids experience joy at Christmas. They just lean into God's promises, They don't know everything, but they know enough to know that God is at work, that he's doing something, that he's gonna show up and that naturally draws joy out of us. Let me share some of the the things that the Bible promises us. It says that God is with us always to the end of the age. It says that God will never leave us or forsake us. It says that God will make our paths straight It says that God will give us peace that transcends understanding. It says that God has taken away the power of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, when we lean into those promises, man, it produces joy inside of us. Regardless of what's going on around us, it creates a passionate joy. You see, like Paul, we don't have to ignore or suppress pain or hardship, but it means that in the days of our deepest sorrow, the most difficult days we experience, They require us to lean more and more into the promises of God and experience joy through his presence in our lives. See, every single day that we spend in the presence of God, it produces something inside of us that we can't get from anything else in this world. Which takes us back to the story. Let's go back to verse 25 and let's find out exactly how we experience this kind of joy. This is what it says says there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, okay, we've learned this, who is righteous and devout, but he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. He was waiting for God to show up. So he went to the temple court and he waited. That doesn't mean that he was passive. That doesn't mean that he found something to do to occupy his mind, just to kill time until God chose to show up. He didn't wait on God in the same way we wait in the carpool line, okay? Just trying to grab at some book or some device to keep us busy. He was focused, 
He was alert and he was in a state of steady anticipation. As we don't know exactly how long Simeon had been there waiting, it's possible Luke probably didn't know the answer to that, but he doesn't want us to miss this point. So he, he brings in this other character named Anna. And Anna had been waiting at the temple as well. She had been waiting and serving and praying. And in the Bible story would suggest that she had been there for over 60 years anticipating God to show up in that way. Listen, these two individuals, they kept their eyes fixed on God's promise for an extended period of time. It was their life's work. It was their greatest ambition. It was their constant pursuit. Day in and day out, when their feet hit the floor, they pursued the presence of God. Let me ask you, do you think that every day that they woke up, they were excited to go to the temple one more day and wait? That's probably not true. You see, it wasn't that they felt like they wanted to do that. It was that they made a decision, a discipline, and an unwavering commitment to show up day in and day out. Listen, the second thing we learn about joy from this story is this. Joy is about focus, not feeling. Joy is about focus, not feeling. Listen, this might just be the most freeing part of the entire message. You don't always have to feel happy to experience joy. The Bible never promises happiness. Happiness comes and go. Happiness is often dependent upon our circumstances. Happiness is a feeble pursuit. As a matter of fact, the Bible often gives us examples of people that pursue happiness at the expense of joy. They want happiness from the world. They want happiness from the things this world promises to them. And as a result, they miss out on experiencing the joy that comes from being in the presence of God. But Simeon and Anna did something different. See, they embraced the magic formula that wrapped their days, both good and bad, in joy. They focused on Jesus constantly over time. Listen, we put up our Christmas decorations this past week. Anybody still have their decorations up? Okay, heathens. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not true. You can be a sinner if you want to. Um, I put them up like a good Christian the week after Christmas, but, but we were putting our Christmas decorations up and, and my wife lets me rip the lights off the house and do all the different things, but she won't let me do one thing. She won't let me take the ornaments off the tree. She won't do it. That's a job that she will not delegate to me. You wanna know why? I'm not terribly clumsy, okay? I don't break a lot of things, but when it comes to sentimental glass objects, <laughs> I don't focus enough, Okay? I'm not focused enough on taking care of the things that need to be managed and, and I'm in a hurry to get things done and as a result, lots of things in our ha house have broken over the years. So my wife chooses to take on that job and what she does is she focuses on every single item. She takes every one of those ornaments and she wraps it in bubble wrap and she, she carefully places it in every one of the slots and she does all the things that I am not focused enough to do. And as a result, she preserves those memories, the things that matter most for years and years to come. Let me tell you something, when we discipline ourselves to focus on Jesus constantly over time, waiting in a, in a place of steady anticipation, our joy in the same way is protected from the things that threaten our happiness. See, if we rush through it and, and we don't really take the time to spend in the presence of God, we miss out on something. And, but when we put ourselves in his presence, unhurried, and focused on him, we experience true and authentic joy. Can I teach you a great way to do this? 
I don't know how many of you have the YouVersion Bible app, Y-O-U version Bible app. If you don't have it, you need to download it right now. When I was in the student ministry, I remember my youth pastor asking, what would it take to get you to carry the Bible around in your pocket with you everywhere you go? And he thought, he, he figured maybe if he made like a special Bible that was small, maybe we would carry it around because he knew it would change our lives. We're living in 2022, y'all. It's in all of our pockets if we want it to be. You download an app and you get to spend time in the presence of God. Listen, I know a lot of people, what they say is, is I can't believe you're talking about spending more time in God's word. That's not the solution to everything, but I've got news for you. It kind of is. Because when you spend time in God's word, focused in his presence, it fills you up in a way that nothing else can because it introduces you to God's promises and all the things that he wants to reveal to you. If you go to the YouVersion Bible app, you can click a button that says plans and you can search for a plan that, that covers any number of different topics. Which one should you work through? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Some of them are better than others, but what matters is that you discipline yourselves to focus on him. And man, if you're looking for a New Year's resolution to make, there is no better resolution you can make that will impact your life and your eternity than spending time in the presence of God in that way. Best thing you can do is you can say, look, I'm gonna make a New Year's resolution to spend time in God's word and I'm gonna invite accountability into that. I'm gonna talk to my spouse. I'm gonna talk to my roommate. I'm gonna talk to my coworkers. I'm gonna talk to my friends. We're gonna work through this stuff together so that God will show up steadily over time in my life by revealing things through his word. Listen, joy is not dependent upon favorable circumstances. Joy exists where Jesus is. Our job is to be there where Jesus is is. So there's one more subtle but important lesson on joy, and it's found in, in verse 33. This is what it says. It says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. You see, they listened to everything that Simeon had said, and, and they were overwhelmed by all the things that were said about Jesus. You see, Simeon's joy was overflowing. It couldn't be contained to just his life. Simeon was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus, and his joy rubbed off on the people around him. He expressed his joy in a way that brought joy to Mary and Joseph. It brought them to a place where they could praise God for what God was doing. Here's the final thing we learn about joy in this story, and it's simply this. Joy is contagious. Joy is contagious. There's two reasons why this really matters. Because when you're struggling with your feelings, when hardship makes its home in your life, when you don't feel joy in your heart, if you choose to surround yourself with other believers who have joy, man, that's gonna be contagious and it's gonna rub off on you. Listen, just before the service, two of our elders grabbed me and they wanted to pray with me. And there's something about being in the presence of those guys and the joy that they have that rubs off on me and creates joy in my life. I have a community group that I meet with every other week and as we get together, whether I'm feeling full of joy or not, being in their presence, spending time hearing their stories, talking about how God is moving in their life, it energizes my own spiritual life and creates joy in me. I have people all the time that tell me I don't need a community group. I have people all the time right now in this season that say, listen, I've learned how to do church at home. I don't even need to be in the presence of other believers to get what I need from church. Listen, that's okay for a season if you've got to stay home, but let me tell you something. There is something about surrounding yourself with other believers that impacts your spiritual life in a deep way that cannot be matched by anything else. 
because their joy is contagious. And maybe they're going through something difficult and they need your joy to be contagious. You see, when we surround ourselves with other believers, it changes our spiritual life in a deep and significant way. There's one other reason this matters. Because the world around us desperately needs to see that joy in us. This needs to be our reputation. This needs to be what we're known for. There is nothing more confusing on this earth than followers of God who proclaim to have joy in their heart but have misery all over their faces. See, when the outside world looks at us, they need to see joy overflowing from us. And when they see joy overflowing from us, it's gonna cause them to question what's going on inside of us. And it's gonna present the gospel in a way that nothing else can. If we wanna impact this world, if we want people to come to know Jesus, if we want our community to be transformed, it's gonna happen because joy happens inside of us and then it overflows. It's contagious and it catches hold of them. Here's the sermon in a sentence. Because God is with us and our lives are focused on him, joy is the posture of God's people. In the good days and the bad, whether everything is going our way or not, joy is the posture of God's people. Now we're gonna pray for that right now. Heavenly Father, we pray that you produce joy in our lives. Lord, we want others to see joy in us. We wanna experience it for ourselves. We know that there's not joy to be found in all the material things of this world. There's not joy to be found in, in positions or authority or any number of other things that promises to satisfy us. God, joy is found in you. And so we pursue you at all costs. God, teach us this year, 2022, make this the year that we follow you in a deeper and more intimate way. God, help us to dive into your word and to see things that jump off the page that, that produces something inside of us that draws us closer to you. Help us to cling to your promises in our darkest days and let our reputation be one of joy. God, we love you and we wanna see you move. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I wanna go back to a verse that, that Will read just a few minutes ago. It's Philippians 4.4 4, and it says, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. That's the theme of this service and that's what we're gonna continue to do. Okay, we're gonna sing another song. It's upbeat and we're gonna celebrate Jesus together. But I want you to focus on this, this one part in the middle, in the chorus. It says, I'm, I'm gonna praise you in the middle of the storm. I believe there's probably some of you right now that are going through a storm. I know COVID numbers are going up and impacting a lot of lives. I know there's, there's a lot of financial insecurity right now. I know there's been a lot of sickness and, and, and maybe you're just going through one of those storms right now. I want you to know we're gonna have people up here that wanna pray with you. They want their joy to be contagious so that you can experience joy in this moment. But listen, whatever we're going through in life, we're gonna choose as a body of believers to rejoice always to celebrate the presence of Jesus, who he is and what he wants to do in us. Y'all stand up and let's sing with all our hearts. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.